Welcome back, everyone. This is the last episode for the month of April, and we're talking about expository apologetics by Vodi Bakum. And so we're learning how do we share the gospel with people in an apologetical way. And if you've been listening in uh, for the past few episodes, you know that this isn't sort of uh, information heavy. We're not looking to uh, to uh, for uh, some fallacies in people's understanding. We're not looking to make the best arguments. We're just trying to do the best that we can in making a defense for the hope that we have. And that means then uh, answering uh, to the the truth claims that people make. Everyone has a worldview. Everyone has uh, presuppositions, as do we as Christians. But what we want to do is show why ours is better and why ours is the most consistent. And we want to do so in a, a spirit of gentleness. We want to be patient. And we want to uh, to listen. And so we talked about the importance of knowing creeds, confessions, catechisms. We know uh, we also talked about the importance of knowing the, the, the Decalogue or the, the Ten Commandments. And I had mentioned, uh, I wish that he had talked a little bit more or talked about how does it look like practically? And so now we're getting into the practicality of sharing the gospel and doing expository apologetics. And uh, I will say this, I think this book could have been shorter. And I think that, yeah, I think waiting until the, sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it isn't. I don't know if you've come across books like this where, uh, you have, you're looking forward to knowing something. They they tell you like, we're going to get to this, we're going to get to this. And it's until it's at the very end of the book that they finally get to the thing that they've been talking about since the very beginning of the book. And I feel like this is very much the case with this book. And I, uh, I just, I, uh, I can see the value in it, but I just don't like it. And I think he could have gone much more practical earlier in the book. But here we are towards the end of the book. This is the moment that we've been all waiting for. So here we go. Uh, Hopefully I haven't set your expectations too high. Not to say that this is not going to be worth your time, because I think it will be worth your time. So what does this look like? And so when it comes to basic objections, and this is actually the title of his chapter, uh, in chapter seven, uh, more specifically, but you probably have heard the arguments of uh, how people will discredit Christianity based on the morality of Christianity. Uh, they will basically say, and this is actually the argument for many atheists. And I actually had watched a a three part debate or conversation, really, uh, between. Jordan Peterson, who's a clinical psychologist, but really grounds his morality in the Bible, though he does not believe in Christ as Savior. And then in that conversation was also Sam Harris, who is a very popular atheist. Uh, he is, yeah, I, I don't know if you're aware with him, uh, aware of him or not, but he is incredibly, incredibly popular. And, and I watched this debate, which is incredibly intriguing and enlightening. 
and and just really captivating. But essentially, Sam Harris discredits the entire Bible and discredits religion based on the morality of the Bible. And when it comes to uh, the this say that the the, uh, the person who's caught in adultery that the the commandment or the law was to stone the person and uh, things of that nature so laws like that and and so uh, the basic argument for many people is well as Christians you, you you pick and choose what you're going to what you're going to obey and not I mean there's commandments about not eating shellfish right. And so, what, what's what's the what's the problem with eating shellfish? So you 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 you're you're fine eating shellfish, uh, but then you pick this other text or the other commandment that you're going to follow, and so you sort of do this picking and choosing, and so that's hypocritical, that's inconsistent, and so based on that argument, based on the morality, specifically the morality of Old Testament and Levitical law, people will discredit the entire Bible, but uh, many atheists actually don't even. Uh, don't even uh, sort of make any arguments towards the the theology of the Bible. It's, for the most part, it is it's it's based on the morality of the Bible, and so uh, and so what do we do with this? And I find this chapter really helpful because he breaks down the law in the Old Testament, and and I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but the law can be divided into into three parts. Uh, there is the moral law, there's the, the, the judicial law, and then there's the ceremonial law. Now, the, the judicial law have, is having to do with civil laws, and these are laws specific to Old Testament Israel that didn't, didn't actually apply to every other nation. God did not hold all the nations to to the civil laws of Old Testament Israel. Now, there is some overlap. And so, so for example, uh, and he, makes, he actually makes this example. So in England, uh, you can't import the, uh, say, many of the civil laws, say the, the driving laws into our context because they drive on the opposite side of the road and we don't, right? Now, some of those laws still apply. Some of them are still overlap, but not everything not everything transfers over. And so there is the, the judicial law. Those laws uh, don't necessarily stand uh, today, don't, don't bind, are not binding upon us as Christians today for us to continue to follow because they were given to Old Testament Israel for their specific context. And then we have the, the, the ceremonial law with regards to worship. And so, and so these laws were given to Israel so that they may be holy, so that they may be distinguished from the other nations. So there's laws in there with regards to, uh, to to men's haircuts, and the reason being because in Egypt, people, uh, the men had their hair cut a certain way or to a certain length, and so God wanted to make sure that there was a distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians, because to the Egyptians, having a particular kind of haircut was actually a form of pagan idolatry and worship. And so those laws don't apply to us today. Now, what does apply to us and to every single individual on the planet is the moral law. And confessions and creeds all... <clears throat> Uh, all tell us that the moral law is binding on all men, and this essentially is is comprehended in the in the Ten Commandments. 
And so this is where knowing the Ten Commandments is helpful for us because this is what's binding on us today. And so when people uh, uh, accuse us of picking choosing texts, we tell them, well, no, that's not the case. We can explain the differences between the law, but what does stand for us and for you as well is the moral law. It's it's the uh, obedience unto God, thou not, uh, and the worship of God. It's uh, the the not stealing, not committing adultery, and things like that. And so, uh, so this is why, again, as I said, it is helpful to understand the law and understand the different ways that the law as a whole is is divided in the in the Old Testament. And again, the the the, the creeds and the confessions all make those same distinctions so we're not talking about something novel here all throughout church history the church has understood the law of israel to be divided into three categories and have all been understood that the moral law is what is binding upon all people when people go and enter into judgment in the final day the bible tells us that everyone will be judged according to their deeds to what they have done and that is telling us that everyone will be judged according to the moral law, to the standard of God. Now, uh, continuing to get more practical, and man, this is already getting up to, to 10 minutes. So uh, let's see how, <laughs> how, uh, how well I will summarize this. So he gets into some practical steps into how to engage in conversation with someone. Uh, how to do expository apologetics, and I find it helpful. And uh, not all practical steps are helpful because there might be an expectation that, well, what do you do when this person says this? Or what happens, what do you do when this happens, right? It's not that precise. But he's giving you just uh, just general steps to follow. And it's just, it's just three steps. And before that, actually, uh, you want to actually strike up a conversation uh, with someone and uh, and this is where listening comes in. So say you strike up a conversation with someone, say that you are on a train, you're next to somebody, or you are on a plane, which is his example, and you are sitting next to someone and you are just engaging in a conversation with them. You know, maybe it's something that they're reading or asking how, uh, how their day was, things like that. And so having then started a conversation Step one is to show them that their that their worldview is inconsistent. And so what you want to do is you want to, as you're engaging and having a conversation with them, is look for or listen attentively for a truth claim. Now, you're not listening in order to sort of uh, to try to figure out what you're going to say. That's not really listening, but really listen. Pay careful attention, care about the person by listening to them. And at the same time, just try to be, try to listen in for a particular truth claim that they make. And so the example he uses is with regards to uh, same-sex marriage. You know, maybe it's uh, you see them reading something uh, in the newspaper and, uh, and you ask them about it, and they make the claim that, you know, everybody should have, you know, uh, homosexuals should have the right to marry. I mean, if somebody loves one uh, another person, then what right do we have to deny them of the right to be married? They're making a truth claim in that moment. They're coming from a particular worldview, and they're essentially saying that everyone has the right to, to marry, and that... And that, 
and that um, and you want to also restate the point they're making one because you want to show you're listening it's a way of caring for your neighbor uh, and second it's a way for them to either restate their point uh, to or to correct uh, their point if they said something that they in, they did they did not intend to say and so and so summarize what they said and then and then this is where you oppose them in a gentle manner right don't try to get defensive but just just, uh, just uh, be gentle be patient about it and so you you summarize their point and this is where you then you you come in and you and then so you you might say well and this is uh, this is coming from his example uh, and then you might say you try to show some holes or some fallacies in their reasoning well you might say well what about people who who don't love each other can can they marry right but what about one a person who loves multiple people right you know could they marry all of them if they wanted to right if you if 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 love is what trumps everything then doesn't anyone have a right to marry whatever or whomever they desire to marry and so it then comes to, to to step two and this is where you show them where they're counterfeiting and this is where knowing what you believe is important and why you believe it is important this is where understanding or no, having a knowledge of creeds confessions and understanding the moral law and the ten commandments is helpful because this is where you can apply it on the spot and so and so you you talk to them and then you ask the, and so you you make you refer to a biblical source right so they're saying that everyone has a right to marry and so where might you find that in the bible this right well, you can point to the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shall not murder. Thou shall not steal. What is this telling us? That people have a right to their private property, right? And that people have the right to uh, to live. It's a respect of human life. And so, therefore, do not take another life, right? Those are rights that we can agree with, right? Show them that we, there's something that we can agree upon and that is that having individual rights is important. But where we differ is how those rights are applied, and you can, and, and then you can show them or explain to them like that, the the what you're telling me right now and this right that people have that you and I agree with that people should have certain fundamental rights that that comes from the Bible, right? And it, you don't have to necessarily point to a specific Bible verse, and I mean, and you can if you know it, and that'd be helpful. But uh, help them to know or show them that this right comes from an outside source. It doesn't just come from someone's opinion. It comes from a source and from where we get it. It comes from the Bible. It comes from, from God. And then lastly, step three, show them what the real thing is like. And so this is where you explain why the Christian worldview is true. Yes, you and I can respect people's fundamental rights, but my source tells me that uh, that 
what is best is for a man and woman to marry because if rights extends because if rights is defined by love right if the if right is defined by the individual person well then uh, isn't it don't we get discriminatory at one sense right if you say that well uh two same-sex people can marry because they love each other we should not deny them that right well then if well then what about somebody who wants to marry uh three different people right be married to three different people and a person might say well i think that's wrong well then Okay, then, and, and so then this is why the Christian worldview is much better because it, it helps to find what a right, how far do we extend this right uh, to marry? And so, and so this is, so again, this is where we come in and explain to them, like, this is why we believe in the Bible. This is why we follow the scriptures uh, because we feel that it is most consistent. We think that it is most beneficial and and so again i, I am uh, sort of uh, summarizing his an entire chapter and i wish there was more time to to cover it maybe i'll do a, another episode but anyways uh, i think the heart of the matter is getting to the gospel and so how do you get to the gospel well strike up a conversation with someone listen as a way of caring for the person, but also listen for a, a, a truth claim that they make. And then summarize their point and then, and then try to uh, find the source of the claim that they make, right? Every, every, every truth claim you can, uh, you can get from somewhere in the Bible, right? And this, and this is why he, he encourages people to study the creeds and confessions in the Old Testament law because it's all essentially summed up in the Old Testament law. And if you can understand that, and then you can sort of point to some of the, uh, the, the holes in their understanding and then explain to them why the Christian worldview is, is better. So hopefully that's helpful. Hopefully that makes sense. I would encourage you to, to pick up this book. If you've been listening to this episode, great and if you do pick up the book listen just just skip ahead to uh to the chapter on chapter seven skip forward to chapter seven and chapter eight and you can know a little bit more about what he's talking about and yeah so anyways i hope that this is helpful for you and we will come back for the month of may and it's persistent prayer persistent prayer this is by guy richard so we're gonna be talking about prayer which i am really looking forward to and i'm sure i will be very convicted by so anyways join me next time and i'll catch you then